Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it will bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 138, 139, and 140. And these are three just incredibly powerful psalms. And it starts off Psalm 138 it says, I give you thanks, O Lord. With my whole heart. Before the gods. That's a lowercase g. I sing your praise. I bow down. Toward your holy temple. And give thanks to your name. For your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted. Above all things. Your name. And your word. And uh, and so this is really powerful. So he's starting off. This is just a, a psalm of thanksgiving. I. Thank you, Lord, with everything, my whole heart, not not a quarter, not a third, my whole heart just thanks you, even before the gods, even before the false, even before the false idols, e- even when everybody else is worshiping everything else, I worship you, uh, and I'm unashamed of it, and uh, I bow down toward your holy temple, and they, you know, the wildest thing about the the Jewish people as they would have always known the direction that the temple was in regards to where they were presently located. If it was north, if it was south, you know, if it was east or if it was west, and they knew that that is where the presence of God was, and they would even bow and kneel and pray and make sure they were facing that direction. And of course, we now have access to to be with God and meet with God wherever. We don't. We don't really have to face. We're not. We don't have that idea of facing a direction. Um, yet I love the posture uh, that that David speaks of here, of just bowing down toward the temple. You know, and, and it, it. We should have that sort of reverence where we bow down before God, and um, that we give. It says, "I give thanks to your, for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things." Your name and your word, and that is that is very true. There is nothing that has been higher exalted than the name of God, which the name of Jesus Christ, and the Word of God, which we're walking through, which we're reading, and there's just indescribable power, majesty in the Word of God. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul. You increased. It's an interesting phrase. On the day I called, you answered me. And you strengthened my soul. You know, we've been talking about the soul uh, several times. And uh, the soul is the inward man. It's the portion of you that will live on past the length of your flesh. The flesh is the tent 
that you're currently occupying. The flesh, it needs sleep. It needs water. It needs food. The, uh, eventually, the flesh is going to quit working. And it's going to give out. God didn't make the flesh that it could live forever. But He did make the soul where it could live forever. Now, the soul is the mind, the will, the emotions, the heart. So, what he was saying is, when I called to you, you answered me and you strengthened my soul. You strengthened my mind. You strengthened my heart. You changed the way I was feeling. You touched my emotions. You changed the course of my life and the plans that I had, the will that I was possessing. You, it collided with your will, and you strengthened it. And so, God has the ability to strengthen our physical bodies and heal those. And He has the ability to strengthen the soul, the soulish body. It's the inside, inward man. Uh, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory, glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, You preserve my life. You stretch out Your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and Your right hand delivers me. And I love this last one. I had to, I had to write it down in my, in my little, on my little piece of paper I keep in my pocket throughout the day as I meditate on different scriptures. I wrote this one down today because it blessed me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Powerful scripture to meditate on. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Isn't that awesome? And so, um, this is a beautiful Psalm 138, just reminding us of the need that we have to worship the Lord, to come before him with thanksgiving, that when we come and we have communion with him, that he can strengthen our soul the way that nothing else can on the face of the planet. And that one day every king of the earth and every person will bow down, will praise God, will worship Him, because He's simply worthy of it. Every knee will bow in reverence to the King of Kings. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. And so uh, it says, And even though I'm walking in the midst of troubles, you preserve my life. And I know that no matter what I'm faced with, that you are going to fulfill the purpose that you have for my life. Your purpose for my life may look different than my purpose for my life. It doesn't say that he would fulfill what I think is my purpose, but that he will fulfill his purpose for my life. Sometimes that looks differently than what we would expect it to, but it's always greater. God always has greater in mind. Joseph lived a difficult life, but God had greater in mind. He was trying to save and uh an entire race and of people. And Joseph went through many troubles. And it resulted ultimately in the exaltation to him becoming the second in command of over all of Egypt. And then that is what allowed the favor upon Israel, upon his family, so that they could be provided for during the years of uh, drought that were ahead of them. You have to read that story, but you know, same with Paul. Paul lived a difficult life. He was imprisoned and shipwrecked and beaten, flogged, whipped. You know, and it would it wasn't a, maybe the life that he would have chosen. But if it weren't for the pain that he went through and he was afflicted in, we would most likely be missing uh, 
half of the New Testament because there's over 13 of the books of the New Testament that we can pin as Paul's hand. And uh, had he been operating in another form of ministry, continuing into church planning and preaching instead of being imprisoned and writing, then we would probably be missing some of the most beautiful books of our Bible that are deeply important to our faith and instructing us in how we are to live and love one another and uh, function when we assemble together as, as the body. And, you know, so God always has greater in mind. And so you can trust that as you seek Him and you're obedient to Him, that He will fulfill His purpose uh, for your life. And Psalm 139 is a wonderful psalm as well. It says, O oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. The Lord knows our thoughts. He knows our, th- our, our thinking patterns. He knows uh, when I think a wrong thought or a right thought. And that's why we should have a desire to be holy as He is holy. Not just that I would, that I would begrudgingly do things that I don't want to do because it's what the Bible says. Not only that I would, you know, I always had this mentality growing up that to become Christ-like, was a basically to sh- was an effort and striving, strive to do things like Jesus in my own strength. Basically, that was my understanding of Christ-likeness. You know, we would wear the bracelets on our wrists that said WWJD. And in those moments, the whole concept behind that wasn't bad, but it was that we would kind of go through life and try to consider uh, in moments, what would Jesus do? And my understanding of that was like, well, I want to do this, but Jesus wouldn't do it, so I'm not going to. And I don't want to do this. Well, Jesus would do it, so I better do it. Well, sometimes that's the case. But I believe that God desires a deeper level of holiness because He's given us His own Spirit to live within us. God is now inside of us for those who believe. And it says that once He is inside of me and that I... uh am dwelling in his word that my mind is renewed and once my mind is renewed it says then i can know what is the perfect and acceptable will of god where do i know it at in my mind okay so i should have a desire that my mind would be consecrated scripture also says that we have access to the mind of christ in the way that he thinks we are able to think. So my point of it is, is that we should not have a desire just to be clean on the surface and just to do more good things than we do bad, or just to do, or just to not do the things that we want to do, but instead do the things that we think Jesus would do. That's good, and sometimes we do have to deny our flesh and do what we uh, know is right, even if it's not what we feel is right. But our goal really is that I would be so transformed that I actually, what I want to do is what I should do, and that's what Jesus would do, because I have the Spirit of Jesus Christ inside of me, and He has impressed it upon my heart, so it's flooding my brain to do the very same acts and works that He did as He walked around in the flesh as the Son of God. Right? Do you understand that? It's kind of a deep concept, but David understood it, and that's why he said, you know my thoughts, you discern my thoughts. And so uh, he says, even before a... uh, 
He says, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the light is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you so david's just declaring the power of the lord and how that there is nowhere that he can ever go or run to or can could ever be found that he could not find you because you are everywhere and that even before he even begins to speak that somehow you already know what he's going to say such knowledge is too wonderful for me he wasn't stating that he understood it but he was stating that it he marvels at it we need to marvel at god we can't always understand everything about god there's actually very little about god that we really can understand or even begin to wrap our minds around but this this shouldn't lead to confusion. It should lead to worship because if I could understand everything that he does and everything that he's ever done, everything that he's ever going to do, what kind of a God would that be? Okay, he's his he, he is far greater and higher and bigger and his and his wisdom is far more vast than mine is. And for those reasons, I worship him. It leads me all into deeper surrender, because if I can't even understand him, I think he knows what to do with my life better than I do. Uh, he formed my inward parts and knitted me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. This is an amazing concept. So you knew me even before I was born. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's just a powerful promise. We need to understand, you know, understand it's not humility. It's what's called false humility. And you know what you arrive at when you arrive at false humility? You arrive at pride. Okay, it's funny. A lot of people think they're very humble. They're very prideful. But their pride is disguised as false humility. False humility sounds like this. No, I'm not really all that good. Hey, you did great today. Nah, I, I, yeah, I could have done better. It wasn't all that good. Okay. It wasn't all that. I, I, I'm not all that. Hey, you look really beautiful today. No. No, I didn't. No. No. How, 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 how'd you do on that? How was it? Mm-hmm. Wasn't good. I'll tell you that much. It was bad. Okay. That's false humility. Because real humility is, you did really good today. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you saying that. That's real humility. Real humility has the ability to receive a compliment. Real humility is doesn't tear. How, how could how could someone who's humble before the Lord tear down the very thing that God has made? You cannot tear. You have to quit tearing yourself down. Okay, because you, when you do that, you're not tearing you down because you didn't make you. You're not the creator of you. When you tear yourself down, you're you're, you're actually insulting the creator. Okay, imagine if somebody walked up to one of your children and said, "You know, you're ugly." You suck. You're not talented. You're not fast. You're, you're not good at the sports that you play. You can barely sing. It sounds horrible when you sing. You can barely read. You sound like an idiot every time you try to read. Your son, listen, your son is stupid. He's a moron. Doesn't even, doesn't even belong in school. I mean, can you even, my, my anger is swelling even just thinking of someone would ever speak those words over my children. Right? Why is that? 
Because they have a sense, I have a sense of um, ownership to them. I, I possess them. I love them. I, I had a hand in making them. And you won't speak against them. I don't like that. Even when I hear my kids say bad things about themselves sometimes. You know, my kids will say, I'm dumb. And I, 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 it rubs me. I go, you're not dumb. You're not dumb. Right? Well, false humility is to speak ill against yourself. And, and, and you're not speaking against something that you had a hand in making. You're speaking against something God had a hand in making. And the Word of God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Humility is to accept that and point the glory to God. Pride is to think that you made yourself. <laughs> Therefore, for that reason, you tear yourself down because you think you're the one that built yourself up. That's pride. Okay? And so we need to be a humble people because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, God looked at my unformed substance and he wrote down every day that I would live. He formed them for me when there was none of them. That's, that's, that's beautiful and, and more complicated than I'm able to process. But somehow God formed every day that I would live and he knew it all before I ever, start, before I ever started because God exists outside of time. But that, doesn't, that, doesn't that make you want to cherish every moment because they're handcrafted? It's like Psalm uh, 118, I think it is, um, where it says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, how about the fact that it isn't just, it isn't just the day that he made randomly. How about this is the day that he made for me? Because it just says here, In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When I was as yet there was none of them. God made this day for you. Everything that you're doing, the way that your life looks right now, the precious moments you're able to spend with your family, the time that you have to be at work today. This has all been made for you. How disrespectful. That, that's why the Bible says rejoice, rejoice, have joy. Why? Because this is a day that was made for you. To, to, to walk around and be depressed and upset and frustrated and angry is disrespectful to the one who made it. It's like opening up a gift on your birthday and going, this sucks. I didn't want this. This is a garbage present. Right? Can you imagine how much that would break your heart to give someone a present? And that's their response to it. This day was made for you. Rejoice in it. God made it for you. He knew what was good for you. He knew what you would enjoy. He knew who, he knew what would would grow you. Not every day is fun, but he knew what would make would build character in you today. Rejoice in it. It's still the same. Right? How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? How vast is the sum of them? If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. If there be any grievous, that word means offensive, if there be any offensive way in me, if there's even the start of something in me that could potentially materialize into a sin, pluck it out of me, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. Beautiful Psalm, Psalm 140. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart. And stir up wars continually. He goes on to say, I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. O Lord, my Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. He goes down to say, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted. And will execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. And the upright shall dwell in your presence. A couple of basic very, very beautiful, simple theological truths here. I know that God 
will maintain the cause of the afflicted. I know that God is for me, and I know that God will bless those uh, who are even under attack. I know that God will restore them. That's what God's going to do. God's going to give justice. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give thanks, and I'm going to dwell in your presence. God is going to give justice. He's my defender. That's what he's going to do. That's not what I'm going to do. That's what he's going to do. What am I going to do? I am going to give thanks to your name. And I am going to dwell in your presence.